0: everybody. I'm excited to welcome this guest to our show. Uh, we have about a year of friendship behind us. We met because a friend of mine asked me if I could do uh, backing tracks for her. And I said yes. And then we became good friends up to that point. And then uh, she went to upstate New York and performed at the mary Theater, where I am from upstate New York, and have seen many a show there. And then I got to see her in her off-Broadway show, uh, Emojiland, the musical, as Kissy. And so I'm so excited to welcome Heather Manley to the show. Welcome.
1: Hey! How are you? I'm really good. I'm, uh, you know, it's kind of a crazy time right now. We're in the middle of this uh, pandemic, and uh, I've got nothing to do, but so I'm spending that time uh, renovating my room. Nice. <laughs>
0: That is wonderful, putting all that time to good use.
1: Oh, you have to, or else I'll go bonkers.
0: Oh, God. So I'm so curious. You were mid-run. Well, I shouldn't say mid-run. You were towards the end of the run, but I think you had about a week-ish left of Emojiland. And they they, uh, canceled. They originally postponed or canceled one of the performances because of... Uh, Governor Cuomo and the shutdown and all that stuff. And then they ended up, mm-hmm. I think a day or two later, canceling really all of Broadway, which I've never seen before in my life. But um, I know, crazy. you guys weren't able to finish your final show. But you had, from what I understand, I had Laura on the show recently, and she said that you had an amazing audience for the the night that ended up being your last night.
1: Yeah, it was probably one of the best audiences we ever had. And it just felt like everybody was in the room with us, and they kind of, you know, obviously they saw the parallels between the show and with reality. Because in the show, you know, a virus comes into the phone and it like corrupts the the whole entire phone. And like that night, we kind of changed a couple things to where to kind of um, just make it a bit more realistic with what's happening now mm-hmm. and to kind of poke fun at it. And the audience was just living. And as soon as we mentioned the word virus, like you could see the audience light up and they were all looking at each other like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was literally one of the best shows we've ever, ever, ever had. It was a great way to unknowingly close out the show. And
0: the show, I got to see the show in, previews i think it was your third or fourth preview or something like that it was somewhere in yeah. previews and it was wonderful
1: yay i'm it glad was, you liked it
0: it was one of those shows where it had a message but it one didn't beat you over the head with the message and two you didn't have to mm-hmm. think super hard to get the message i love me some lame is but like that's a lot of thinking that i don't have the energy to do all the time <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, very digestible for all kinds of people.
0: All kinds of people, all walks of life, all age groups, mm-hmm. all demographics. So, you know, I feel like if you have a phone, you understand yeah. the show.
1: Totally. And even like, because some, some of the themes can be somewhat deep, but then like even the younger kids, Despite, like, having some themes that maybe they might not necessarily understand, they still enjoy it because it's such a colorful show and, like, larger-than-life characters that are just funny and and animated. So it it really, you know, targets all kinds of audiences.
0: What was your favorite part of the show? I know that's such a hard question to ask, but in terms of rehearsals and putting on the shows and, and all of that stuff, what was your favorite part?
1: You mean, like, in the entire process or just my favorite part while doing the show? In the process. In the process. um, I think being able to, I guess there's a couple things. Being able to play in the room and um, kind of create from scratch. Because, you know, I I was doing a role that nobody's ever done before, and I'm Mm -hmm. kind of taking my spin on it and bringing it to life. And that's really cool because it's, like playing Kissy and the other characters I get to play, like it totally feels like mine. I've made it mine. And I know what that feels like because I've understudied in the past. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're an understudy, you kind of have to do a blueprint of what the original actor does, you know, the blocking. And sometimes that might not make sense to you as the actor because, you know, somebody else blocked it. But you, as the understudy, it's your decision and choice to kind of justify those those blockings or those choices and you kind of have to try and fit within the mold. So it was really nice to like be able to create it and just say, yep, I'm going to move to stage, right. Cause that's what I feel like the character is going to do. And the other favorite part is like, once you're in the room and you kind of play the jokes over and over, it kind of stops getting laughs, And then you wonder whether or not you're funny or like maybe, you know, you kind of question is this right? Am I doing this right? But then once you like the first time we went in front of an audience and hearing the response from you know 250 people in the audience and, and hearing laughs and giggles and parts that you actually didn't even know was funny and you're like oh wow okay I am doing I'm I'm doing okay like <laughs> the audience gets me great um, so it's just nice to hear the audience for the first time come on board with you.
0: Now, was there ever, I love that, was there ever a a moment in the show where you you guys didn't realize a joke or a a line was as funny as it was?
1: Yeah, well, well for me, for Kissy, you know, I remember the director being like, you need to do more kisses here. Because at first I would just be like, just like one. And then he's like, I think you need to do a couple more. And in the moment, I felt silly. But as soon as, you know, the audience, saw it and then I did the first kisses you know there was like a couple chuckles and then the more I did it it would get more laughs and I was like I didn't realize just a kiss was funny but I don't know apparently the audience found it funny so yeah (laughs) little things like that
0: (laughs) I love it I asked Laura and so I'm going to ask you some of the same questions who was the easiest to break on stage
1: the easiest to break on stage honestly Jacob Dickey (laughs) (laughs) like but I mean I think with him and his character and my character it kind of made sense like it still worked like if we kind of smirked on stage but there'd be moments where I don't know we would both play something differently and we kind of I could see it in each other's eyes that we wanted to laugh and there was a bit of a smirk um yeah so definitely Jacob Dickey also Leslie she's <laughs> she breaks so easily. Which I've is heard her funny. snort a couple times on stage. <laughs> Which
0: is funny because she is so hilarious that you would think that she's just a stonewall to that.
1: No man, you, if you want to want a good laugh on stage, you gotta make her crack, and it's it's so worth oh, it. That's
0: funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Who is the most consummate in the show?
1: Ooh, that's a hard one. I'm trying to think who. Hmm. Who would never go? Maybe Dwelvin. I okay. think Dwelvin. Yeah. There's been moments where like, I've tried to you know, maybe make him laugh and I can see he acknowledges me, but he still he keeps it cool. <laughs> he keeps it cool.
0: That's the best quote ever. I can see he acknowledges me, but that's about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, that's so good. Uh, what was the hardest song in the show?
1: Song. the opening number I think because we're there, there it's not a super dancey show but like technically but the fact that we were constantly moving and running around on stage at the end I was literally pumped and trying my best to hold the last final note <laughs> definitely the opening number I was out of breath for sure
0: <laughs> now for those of us that didn't get to see the show the set was incredible but I will say as someone who has easy anxiety watching you guys bound and leap up and down those stairs was so terrifying because it's like, I could not imagine eating it down those stairs because there's nothing that's going to stop you. You're just, you're going down. It's happening.
1: Yeah. Well, actually like, First preview, I sprained my ankle because uh, originally, uh, one of my entrances, I would uh, slide down the stairs and then jump onto the floor from the platform, and um, first preview, it was during Pile of Poo, and I was in my janitor costume doing my plunging, plunging choreography, and then when I jumped onto the floor, I ac- actually rolled my ankle, and um, that night I had to go to the doctor, and like luckily it was like a is a light frame, but they had to, like, change my blocking for certain things. Oh, my gosh. Because, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it is scary going down those stairs and going down the pole. <laughs> That's insane.
0: <laughs> so what you're saying to our listeners is be careful on the pole, kids. It's, yep. it's
1: a rough life. You got to be careful on the pole. <laughs>
0: um, the, I, now I'm remembering the night that I saw. It was the night that Natalie was out. And oh, yeah, it was yeah. the, the woman who did it at the fringe, was it? Mm-hmm. She came in and came in, I guess that morning and kind of relearned a couple of things here and there and went into the yeah. show that night. It was wonderful. It was, I remember listening yeah, to her after the her show. Her and I
1: actually worked together. She, she was in Greece with me at the Finger Lakes. Oh, wow. It was Frenchy. So I knew her already and I knew that she was going to be fabulous and coming in
0: that's so funny I remember hearing her talk after the show when she was out talking to family and friends and fans and she was like I just kind of hoped that they would pull me in the right direction I kind of knew exactly but I just hoped that they would honestly I don't know how she did it she she's a
1: superstar superstar rock star
0: That's incredible. So, uh, good segue. You mentioned someone in Emoji Land that we can swing back around to now. You you talked about understudying and you were a swing and incredible things. So, before I get to what that was for, can you explain to our listeners the difference between a swing and an understudy? So, an
1: understudy is somebody who covers a lead role. And it depends. Sometimes you can be an offstage understudy, which is also known as a standby. So you're not on stage, but and you're the first choice to um, go on for the role if the the first character is sick or the first person who plays it. Um, And then understudy, Sometimes you're an on stage understudy, and, some, and usually there's, like, two or three understudies, and then sometimes they have first cover, first, second cover, so they'll have, like, you know, their first preference, second preference. Um, and a swing is somebody who normally covers all the more than one role, and it's um, mostly the ensemble tracks. They usually cover ensemble tracks, but sometimes swings also cover leads, too. So, but mostly, I think a swing is somebody who um, covers multiple tracks.
0: You, yeah, and they can either be
1: on stage or off stage too.
0: And you can do it all.
1: Oh, uh, I don't know if I'm capable of being a swing. I, th- <laughs> I literally think I'd have the biggest anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I can do that one day, but I've never done it before, but I'd love to try. <laughs>
0: but, yeah. but you did get to understudy and you uh, replaced, actually, uh, Jasmine. Yes. Such an iconic role. And I mentioned this also because you had mentioned Jason, uh, Jason, wrong, Jacob Dickey, who was also Aladdin in the show. Did you guys ever work together yep. in the show?
1: We, so I did, um, Aladdin on Broadway for two and a half months and we worked together then briefly. Um, but at the time we weren't really that close. Like him and I got really close on Emoji Land because we were, we were playing opposites, but yeah, we worked together. Um, in uh, Aladdin, but I never got to go on with him, which I was a little sad, but that's okay.
0: But it's so awesome how this industry works that, like, everything kind of just, it's like styles and fashion. Things will always come around again.
1: Uh, absolutely. Aladdin's
0: the gift that keeps on giving.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So,
0: in terms of Aladdin, I'm not sure if you've seen this video or not, but there's a video of, uh, I think it's a Disney California park, where they were doing this, like, 30, 40-minute Aladdin, and the carpet flipped. Oh! And they were, of course, harnessed. I'll send it to you. They were harnessed in the carpet, and they were just singing... uh, a whole new world suspended in the air in front of children who were in horror. It's quite funny, but very miraculous at the same time. And also, Oh very my horrifying. God. Uh-huh. Do you have any Aladdin stories that you're allowed to tell us?
1: Sure. Um, actually the first time I went on for Jasmine, my foot got stuck in the carpet before <laughs> I come back off and meet Aladdin. <laughs> so we're like midair. And then this is a moment where like the carpet's supposed to, land back on Jasmine's balcony and I go to, cause there's like a little lazy Susan in it. So that way, like, cause there's choreography, quote unquote choreography <laughs> on the carpet where we turn to face each other to sing, um, certain, uh, lines. And so, yeah, so you get to, it, it makes it easier to swing around on the carpet. And so there's like a little tiny hole around, um, the entire little Lazy Susan. And so when I stepped up to get off of the carpet, my heel got caught in the little hole. And this is like mint singing too. I was like, for you and tug, 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 (laughs) like pulled it really hard and then like tried to recover. Um, Yeah, that was the first time I went on and that was really embarrassing. I couldn't wait to get off stage. I was like, get me off. I don't deserve to bow. (laughs) Let let me just exit the theater with my dignity, whatever I have left. Um, I've also fallen a couple times and heard the audience go, ooh, like, have I fallen? Um, in my ensemble track because the skirts are really long, they're of all the course. way to the floor so if you step on it the wrong way like it literally feels like ice your heel just like slip from under you oh god um, yeah, oh and then that one time when I was uh, doing Jasmine on Broadway um, some of the, the lines are a bit different they cater like around the world because I did the Australian production for two and a half years and so to make the jokes land better they changed some of the the words, just because, yeah, Australians call um, some words different. Like, I have to say diapers um, in my first opening, like, segment of Jasmine. And in Australia, they call diapers nappies. Um, So when I was doing it on Broadway, I accidentally said nappies one day. And normally that line gets a laugh. And Uh. I said nappies, and, like, the audience was just dead silent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, okay, great.
0: <laughs> well, I guess that doesn't work today.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about school for a minute. So you went to Western Australia... Com- Ac- wow, I swear I can speak. You- God, I've been doing this for a long time. I swear I know how to do this. Good Lord. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts. Mm-hmm. And so, how, let's talk about all of this, because you are here in New York, and you mm-hmm. grew up in Australia, but you also were born in Hawaii. Yeah, I'm what? all over the how? place. Also, why would you leave Hawaii? It's so beautiful, but I'm happy you're here, so I guess it's a good thing. Like, <laughs> I really don't know how to go about this question, but tell me everything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll try to make it as Short and concise as possible. Otherwise, we'd be here all day. This is your um, show. You
0: can make it as long as you want to. <laughs>
1: um, well, I was born in Hawaii. That's where my parents met, and um, we moved to Guam when I was three years old uh, because my dad had a job opportunity there. And um, so we, I lived on Guam from when I was three years old all the way till I was twenty-one, and um, then I went to school in Australia. I've always wanted to, you know, live in a different country and um, study because I just I feel like there's so much to learn from other people. Um, And Guam's already a melting pot as it is because it's really close to Asia and there's all different ethnicities. Um, So, yeah, I just I wanted to study in a different country and my dance teacher in Guam had like friends in Australia who worked at NIDA, which is another really great acting school. And she kind of planted the idea in my head that, you know, she's like, there's some great schools in Australia. Maybe you should consider going there. And so I did my research and um, WAPA came up. That's the short way to call the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts. Um, WAPA came up and it was like one of the, I think it's like the best school to go for music theater and, um, so I like looked up, you know, how to audition and everything. And, um, I had to do an in-person audition and they only took 10 girls and 10 boys. And, uh, I was like, well, I'll just go and, uh, you know, see if I get in and kind of leave the rest up to fate. And, uh, I went to Sydney and I auditioned for the school and I found out a couple weeks later that I got in and, Yeah, so that's the same school that Hugh Jackman went to and studied acting. Yes. Um, Yeah, it's a really, really great school. I I owe everything to where I am today um, with what I studied over there. The training is fantastic, and the friends that I made along the way. Like, my dear best friend, my soulmate, is like I met at WAPA. And, uh, yeah, I I owe everything to that school. It, It was the best three years of my life. Um so yeah, um I was it was my final year of uh WAPA. It's a three year program and Aladdin was auditioning. I had loose plans to move to the state directly after um I graduated, but I saw that Aladdin was auditioning and I, I thought it would be stupid to not audition. Right. And um yeah, so I, I was originally I was on a student visa and then I applied for the postwork study visa, which um gave me two and a half years to work and live in Australia after I graduated. So I auditioned for Aladdin uh, when I was graduating and I got in and you know, was understudying Jasmine. And so I did that for two and a half years. The, the Australian company ran for about three years and uh, I did it for two and a half. And after that, uh, I, my visa was running out in Australia, and so I was like, you know, it's about time to think about what the next step was, and I knew that that was New York, and I was deathly afraid to move to New York because, you know, what, what you see in the movies and, and what people tell you about how cutthroat New York is and scary and, you know, the crime and whatever, and when you don't live in New York, your idea of New York is so different. You know from what's portrayed in movies and stuff like you you don't really know new york until you actually live in it Absolutely. so i was definitely terrified of moving um but i emailed the um aladdin people in america and because uh, the director came over to or the associate director director came over to australia and he's the one who helped set up the the production there and um, he saw me go on as Jasmine before um, while he was in Australia. So I, I messaged him and I was like, hey, I'm, I have loose plans of moving to New York around summer next year. Um, my is running out here in Australia. So I just, you know, wanted to let you know and please think of me if there are any openings on the tour or on Broadway. And he's like, oh, great. He's like, send me your headshot and resume and we'll forward it to uh, Tara Rubin Casting. And if anything comes up, will we'll think of you and that was uh two years ago uh in January and then I didn't hear anything for a couple months and maybe like three weeks before my contract was ending in Australia I get an email saying temporary Broadway opening on the as a title and uh, the email was like, what are you doing after October? Because they knew that my contract was up. And I was like, um, nothing. Why? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm unemployed. Why? <laughs> and they were like, well, there's a temporary opening on Broadway with the Jasmine understudy. Would you be interested in auditioning? You'd have to um, you know, pay for your flight over. And you'd have to be hired as an NYC local. And I, I was like, well, that's perfect because I'm planning on moving there anyway. And um, I was like, yep, I'm so down. I I would love to audition. And so the director messaged me on Facebook (laughs) being like, all right, you need to prepare the Jasmine um, song, These Outlaws, and then prepare the marketplace scene uh, the first time Aladdin and Jasmine meet. So I filmed that in my my living room, and then I sent it off. And a week later, I found out that I was going to be – doing Aladdin on Broadway and making moving to New York and making my Broadway debut. And it was honestly, when I got that email, it was, I I didn't even know how to function. Like I wasn't (laughs) even happy or sad. I think I was more in shock. Like (laughs) I remember talking to my friend about it and they were like, how do you feel? You should be so excited. And I was like, I don't know what I feel right now. I, I just can't believe it. And then after that, it was, so stressful. I had to, you know, think about hacking up my life in Australia, saying bye to my friends. Cause I, at that point I had lived in Australia for about six years now. Um, and yeah, and then moving into a city where I knew nobody and I didn't even know where to live. I, I didn't know what places were safe to live and what, and whatnot. Um, and yeah, that was, that was a, about a year ago, almost a year and a half. And it's just so crazy to think how far I've come. Um, since moving to New York and I think it was the best decision I've ever had. And yeah, I was just lucky. It was was one of those moments where all the cards aligned.
0: That's incredible. And we are very lucky to have you truly. That's so awesome.
1: Thanks Thanks for hearing me chat
0: about it for so long. Oh, I love it. It's, it's the journey. It's where people, you know, I, I think it's, you wouldn't be who you are without the journey of where you came from. So um,
1: Absolutely.
0: One of the things that I stress on this podcast is to make sure that everybody knows that and gets to tell their story and tell their journey. So it's awesome yeah. to hear. I'm so thrilled. Um, so I did a little digging. And by a little, I mean okay. a lot of digging. But it's whatever. Um, I'm going <laughs> oh to <laughs> ask you this question. And you can be like, pass. I'm not talking about that. Or you can answer it. It's up to you. So I'm going to okay. edit that part out. But I'm going to ask it anyways. Okay. Um. Because it's my show and I can do what I want. Uh, Sure. I got to do a little bit of digging in terms of finding out a little bit about your life. And I'm curious if Faith played any role in your, no pun intended, leap of faith going to New York. Okay. That's all. It's not that deep.
1: Wait, wait, what's the question?
0: (laughs) If faith played a role in your leap of faith in moving to New York, because you've really been, you uprooted your life. You moved around the world, a 16, Mm -hmm. 17, 18-hour plane ride. um, And I can only imagine blindly going into a situation where, yes, you know some people here and there, but to go into a Broadway show, to find an apartment, to be away from your family and be away from your friends, be away from what you've known for the better part of your life in your, mm-hmm. I want to say mid twenties, but like in your early to mid twenties, I think is kind of terrifying.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I do believe in fate. Like I, I also, there is fate, but there's also, you know, you do have to take matters in your own hands, mm-hmm. but I absolutely believe in fate and like destiny and, um, and you know, like this is, I don't know you, I don't know if you'll believe this, but, um, prior to me moving, When I sent that email out two years ago in January, um, I was on a trip with my ex at the time in the middle of Australia. We were traveling all the way across Australia, and that was part of our, like, vacation. It was, like, the equivalent of driving from, like, New York to California. Um, And we were in the middle of nowhere and in this little town where there was, like, barely anybody and barely any lights. And we were uh, looking at the stars at night, and I remember looking up. And hearing a voice in my head, like, I'm not even joking, this was, like, July, two years ago, and it said, New York, in my head. Wow. And and I was like, ooh, like, it felt really confronting, you know, like, it felt like looking into the mirror and, like, you know, seeing something you don't like, I guess. And I remember being like, I'm not ready. Like, I was terrified. I was like, I don't feel ready for that. Like I, I knew deep down that New York was where I had to go, but I didn't feel ready. And then, um, my visa was ending December 8th, 2019 and then, oh wait, sorry, 2018. My visa in Australia was ending December 8th, 2018. And that was literally my first day on the contract of Aladdin, was my first day was December 8th, 2018. Like I know it's bizarre, like how, how perfect that was. Because prior to that, I was stressing about how I was going to stay in Australia a bit longer. I would have to apply for another visa, blah, 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 figure out where to live because I was leaving Aladdin, Australia. And um, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get kicked out of the country December 8th. If I don't you know, apply for another visa. And I just thought it was so funny that the fact that, my next contract literally started December 8th in yeah. New York city. I, I feel like that's just something that you can't explain, Absolutely. you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And so in, in the move, what are some really difficult, but poignant lessons that you've learned in the move in doing Broadway and then off Broadway and of course, just creating your career.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm learning to say yes to everything, mm. uh, like, as far as auditions. Even if you don't know if you're right for it, you know, you still have to be seen. And, you know, that person can keep you in mind if they like you um, for another project. Um, I've learned to... Honestly, I think life is about going with the punches. Yeah, Sometimes, you know, you're going to get served a deck of cards that you don't exactly like, but you have to learn how to navigate that. And there's always a lesson somewhere, I think. And you may not see it at the time. Because, you know, like, life is never happy all the time. There's always ups and downs. And, you know, I've definitely had my ups and downs in the past year. Um, I think learning to, to take no for an answer Weird it sounds wrong, but it's true. Like in, in this field, you get so many no's. And because uh, the industry here is so different from Australia because the industry in New York, it's, it's so booming. There's auditions, you know, three or four auditions a week all the time. In Australia, you'd get one or two, maybe two or three times a year at most. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're not used to hearing no as often. So uh. coming to New York and... Auditioning for so many things and being like, oh, my gosh, there's so much opportunity. But with with a lot of opportunity comes a lot of rejection as well. You know, nobody books every single job, every every single audition. So I think I had to not take all the no's personally and use that as fuel for me to get better and for it to not discourage me. Um, When I first got here, I think I took the no's very personally to heart and I was not enjoying it. Like, I remember crying to my dad. And mom last year being like I don't know if I want to do this I, this is so hard I I don't trust my my talent I, I don't know if I'm good enough um and then my dad and mom were like you know just stick it out a little bit longer keep 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 your head up and you know just keep going to class and and then I started you know enrolling in acting classes getting really diligent with my singing lessons and doing dance class and and you kind of you, you enjoy it and like that's kind of like your job in a way because mm-hmm. you're still performing in a sense. So I feel like that really helped me a lot was just going to class and um, I feel like I'm going on this complete trail. So you no know, it's,
0: no, it's so good though. it's yeah you're so funny. I love you. It's the lessons that you've learned are so important because there's yeah. so many people. I'm thankful that different groups of people listen to this podcast from around the world and around the country. And there's always a piece of advice from these episodes that goes to someone that needs it in that time. Um, And so your uprooting your life was was huge for you. And there are definitely people that, whether they're moving from Virginia to New York or Pennsylvania to New York, it's still poignant that you're uprooting your life and you have to do things differently from what you've been doing for so long. And um, I'm curious also to now ask, because of this shutdown and because of what's happening on Broadway and in our community landscape, do you feel like people will now be more appreciative of the jobs they have when everything starts to roll out again?
1: I think... I think now more than ever, people are realizing how much they love what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, like somebody said the other day, you know, make sure make sure you donate to the Actors Fund and, you know, support your actors because we're all out here, you know, ha- with nothing to do on our hands. And what do we do? We go on to Netflix, you know, we, we go on to YouTube and we watch artists and, and we, we want to be... Taken away from from reality, and we want to be transported, and and that's what all those movies and 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 TV shows that people watch on Netflix or HBO or whatever like those are all actors. We we wouldn't be where we are. Those people, all these people that have nothing to do but to watch movies, like I don't think they realize how much they rely on the arts themselves, right? Um, yeah. So I just. Yeah, I, I know. For me personally, like I, I'm trying to figure out who I am without the art. Yeah. You know, after Emoji Land, you know, I already started getting. I knew Emoji Land was coming to an end, and I was already getting into a mindset. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to start getting up early again, and you know, sign up for those EPAs and ECCs, and get up at 9 a.m. or 7 a.m. depending on what time. And, uh, and I know that I have to go to the gym more to stay more fit. And I have to go back to dance class and sign up for that acting class. And I was already going into that mindset. So coming out of it and now that all being taken away from me, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, what do I do when I don't have the industry? Like, what are my hobbies personally? Um, because you can't always be go, 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 go in the industry or, or you'll get burnt out. So I think this is a good lesson for me to figure out other things that I'm interested in so that I can find something else to do. Like when, when the industry isn't serving me, I can find joys in other things because if I put all my eggs in one basket, then, you know, that's, that's when, you know, you get disappointed. I
0: love that. I absolutely love that. Who is your musical influence?
1: Musical influence, like theater or all of the above. Honest, right now lady gaga i don't know i know that i've always liked her but right now i'm really 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 feeling her yeah <laughs> um i think i was a little late on the train i just watched her documentary um five foot two and seeing her work behind the scenes i don't know It's it's really made me appreciate her as an artist and like her journey as well and how real she is and she sticks to her guns, and she doesn't care what anybody thinks. And I think she's a theatrical genius. So right now, in this present moment, she's a musical um, inspiration. Also, um, my friend Telly Leung, who was my Aladdin when I was doing Aladdin on Broadway, he's like he's become like an older brother to me. He was, you know, one of my first friends. In New York City awesome. and I, I like knew of him prior and you know he's, he's a name in, in the business and I remember the first day I met him um, in the New Amsterdam Theater I was uh, tracking backstage and I was just meeting everybody for the first time and I passed by his dressing room and he was like oh hey how are you I was like oh I'm good you know and I was like really nervous because I think you kind of get this preconceived idea that like broadway people are like you know better than you in a way it's so weird like when you don't meet or when you meet a uh, really uh like successful broadway people for the first time you're like oh um, i'm not good enough for them or you know you kind of like walk on eggshells and so i felt like i was walking on eggshells when i first met Kelly, and and i kind of like stood outside his dressing room while we were talking and then was like no come in come in come in and like he he's like sit down on the couch and like he had a little couch in his his dressing room and so I was like oh my gosh I'm sitting on the couch of Telly Leung's dressing room and so I sat down and he's like so tell me about you Uh, um and he's like so I know that you're you're coming from the Australian company he's like I can't wait to um work with you blah, blah 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 and I and he's like tell me your life story and I told him that I was from Guam and like all everything about me and um there were a couple times where he took me out to dinner and like showed me around New York. And like, every time he introduced me, I only told him all these facts once and he like remembered everything. Like every time I met somebody with him, he was like, this is my friend, Heather. She's currently doing Aladdin on Broadway. She's a Jasmine understudy. She's from Guam. And, but she was born in Hawaii and like, he just, you know, he was just so lovely. And, I love that. and then my, my first rehearsal with him, um, we had to practice being Jasmine and Aladdin together cause I had shows to go on as Jasmine. And I remember t- telling him, I was like, you tell me what you want from me and I will do that because, you know, I know that I'm the understudy and, you know, sometimes leads like to have it the same way every time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's your job as an understudy is to just, fill in you know fill in the blanks and so I was like you tell me what you need for me as Jasmine and I'll do it and he's like no he's like I love to play he's like you just do what you want and we'll just play and be organic and I was like oh great okay and so yeah like he's he's literally one of the best humans so giving and so genuine and I he's an inspiration to me because I hope that if I ever get to you know his kind of stature I guess in the industry that I remain as giving and loving and as down to earth as him yeah
0: so what you're saying is when you get to that level because I know (laughs) know you said when and not if right that's that's true yes yes that's
1: true that is true
0: I was just making sure I wanted to make sure I heard you correctly sometimes my brain decides to not work so
1: (laughs) sorry I stuttered I stuttered and said the wrong thing it's okay I'm
0: glad we're on the same page now (laughs) Um, so, what's in your audition binder? I'm so curious. My what? Your audition binder.
1: My audition binder. What's in it? Yeah. There's definitely more uh, contemporary music theater stuff in there. <laughs> um, I do love a good good um, golden age ballad. Um, you know, something that I can really croon. I love. I have a couple of Barbra Streisand songs yes, in there that I love. Um, I even have "Benny in the Jet" from Elton John. Oh wow! By Elton John, I've got "A uh, House of the Rising Sun" by The Animals. Uh, I've got some Beyonce in there. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's very eclectic. I think you got it all. That's in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! Well, I am so thrilled that you were here today. I want to play a little game with you. I want to do some rapid oh. fire questions because we have, the I ability love games. To, we have the ability to get to know you and your career, and I would love for our listeners to be able to get to know you as a person. So, I'm okay. going to ask you some questions. You ready? Yeah,
1: okay. okay is this go. like a speed round thing? It is. Okay, okay. Okay,
0: here we go. Uh, favorite color? Pink. Favorite candy? Candy.
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh... <laughs> Peanut M M&M.
0: Favorite TV show.
1: The yeah, Ship Creek.
0: Favorite pre-show meal. Show meal.
1: Um, fishy.
0: Favorite post-show meal.
1: Post-show meal. Uh, hummus and crackers. Mm, favorite show currently on the
0: Broadway. Favorite show currently on the Broadway. Uh,
1: oh my God. Oh my God. What. Uh, Jagged Little Pill.
0: Love it. What is your go-to musical genre that is not musical theater?
1: Um, R&B and uh, jazz.
0: Love it. If you could do any other, any other occupation, what would it be? Uh,
1: biologist or veterinarian.
0: Love it. Favorite
1: movie? Titanic.
0: Favorite old-school Broadway show before
1: 1970? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I don't know. Uh... Um, uh, is Chicago before 1970
0: or is that 1980? I'm gonna let it go.
1: I'm gonna let it go. Okay. I'm let
0: it go. <laughs> uh, Guilty pleasure snack.
1: My my favorite snack.
0: Like your guilty pleasure snack.
1: Guilty pleasure snack. A uh, uh, chocolate with whole hazelnuts in it. Milk mm, chocolate.
0: Love it. Uh, guilty pleasure television show that is a reality TV show.
1: Oh, I just finished watching Love is Blind, and I'm obsessed.
0: Girl, I tuned into Love is Blind with the full intent of having a drinking game with myself, and I left oh. that show fully obsessed and cannot wait for season two. Were,
1: <laughs> were you drunk by the end? No,
0: I couldn't even drink. I was so engrossed in the show. I'm mad at myself. Right?
1: It's good. It's Man, they, they know how to hook you.
0: They know how to hook you, but it's also so different, and like, we could have a whole podcast on this in itself, but like... How people identify and see love. I think it changed the game for what uh, what dating can be. I think that's kind of cool. It was very, it was an odd concept to think about, but then um, once I watched the full series, it was kind of cool, and it left a lot of questions. Like, uh, yeah, totally.
1: I feel like we've become a very vain generation, you know?
0: Yeah, and I mean, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't watched it. I'm so sorry, Cam and Lauren. My biggest question for them was, how do you tackle the racial barrier when you don't even know there is one to begin with? And granted, mm. we're in 2020 and that shouldn't really be a thing, but it, it is. But they did it great it on is. the show and they talked about it and they had the conversation and the parents were involved, which I think is wonderful. But it was one of those moments when the show started that I went, how do you deal with that and what about different faiths and different yeah. religious backgrounds and ethnic it was just very interesting they did a really good job so anyways sorry
1: yeah. <laughs> no that's okay I love love is blind we can talk about that all day so, oh life. so good uh,
0: favorite holiday
1: Um, Thanksgiving
0: favorite season Oh
1: uh,
0: east coast or west coast or Australia or Guam
1: Australia, baby.
0: <laughs> Favorite vacation spot? Um, uh, Bali. Love it. I have, uh, this Or is, Mexico. I ha- oh, I love that too. I have two more questions. The first question is a three-part question. Um, okay. What is a dream role that you have already played, a dream role that at your age right now you can play, and a dream role in about 25, 30 years that you want to play?
1: Okay. Dream role that I've already played, Um, Jasmine, Mm -hmm. that, you know, every girl has always wanted to be a Disney princess, Um, that was pretty epic, Um, dream role that I'd love to play, um... If they ever make Moana into a musical, that part is mine. I'm an island girl. I grew up on Guam. I'm part Polynesian. I can dance the hula. That part's mine.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
1: um, or I'd love to play uh, Peggy or Angelica in Hamilton. Mm, yes. Um, okay. And dream role that I would like to play in the future that, like, if I'm older, right? Yeah when I'm older, um, I don't know, oh, who, Ro, Rose, Mama Rose, her name? Ro, and yes, you 50. know it, yeah, that would be a cool role, I love it, and then
0: my last question is, you had so many different characters and accents in Emojiland, and I'm curious as to, now talking to you, I see how one of them came to be, but I'm curious <laughs> as to how the voice of uh, Kissy came to be.
1: Oh, God. And for, for those of you listening, if you don't know what Kissy sounds like, she's a little bit, she's really high up there, and she's, she's not the brightest uh, pencil in the, in the box. But um, honestly, <laughs> the way Kissy came to be, I think she, she really morphed over time. When I auditioned for her, she kind of was like a valley girl almost. But then I think what really changed was when I saw the costume and um, also acting, doing the first reading and hearing everybody in the room. And I kind of wanted her to be very, obviously, I wanted her to be different from everybody else. And, uh... I saw her costume. Her costume, you saw. It's a little revealing. <laughs> the skirt's really short, and my stomach's out, and I've got a heart-shaped opening around my bust. And <laughs> I thought it would be, <laughs> I thought it would be funny if she kind of had a, a, a childlike, really high-pitched voice to kind of balance it out. Like she, she, you know, she has this really sexy outfit, but she's almost like she's she doesn't realize she's sexy sexy she's really innocent and unknowing and so i thought having a childlike voice would go well with that and um yeah and you know she as you saw in the show like she kind of she she's been hooking up with her best friend's boyfriend for the past you know uh five updates (laughs) and i wanted her to be likable so i had to play her as if she was a little bit dumb and unknowing. And she doesn't realize she just loves everybody. So I feel like, you know, if she was a homewrecker, she, she wouldn't be as likable, but the fact that like, she doesn't realize what she's doing is wrong. And she just, cause she's kissy. She just loves love and loves everybody. So I kind of, yeah, that's how it came, came to be, I think.
0: <laughs> I love it. So then yeah. I'm gonna I'm going to ask one more question because I want our listeners to be able to find you and be able to follow you and support you and follow your journey. I was I would be curious if Kissy would give all of your social media to us.
1: Okay. My uh social media I've I pretty much only work through Instagram I guess. So Instagram is Heather Makalani, M A K A L A N I. And also I do have a YouTube channel but I've only got like one or two new videos, but that is um, H E Manley M A N L E Y zero nine. I love yeah. it.
0: It sounds like you need a website. I'm just saying.
1: Oh, I wish I need to work on a website. Ooh. I know a
0: guy. <laughs> I'll let you know.
1: Oh, perfect. I'll
0: send you someone. I'll send you an email
1: heaven um, thank you
0: who uh you mentioned the last name that i am not familiar with and i promised you before we went on air that i would discuss it so
1: mm-hmm.
0: um who how do we find you what is your what is your name did you say makalani uh,
1: heather heather makalani no. m-a-k-a-l-a-n-i
0: how did we, how did we get makalani and manly how did those two happen
1: So, Makalani is actually my middle name, and Manly is my last name. Uh, Makalani was the name that was given to me when I was born in Hawaii. It's a Hawaiian name, and it means heavenly eyes. And um, my aunt named me that. Um, And yeah, so that when I moved to New York, they were, because I had to join Equity um, when I joined Aladdin, and um, they were like, What's your Equity name going to be? And I just thought Makalani packages me more than Manley. I feel like Heather Manley sounds like a you know everyday name, whereas Heather Makalani kind of—I don't know—I like it. It Has a ring to it.
0: I love it. Heather Makalani. I am so thrilled that you were on the show today. I'm so thankful that you Thank you so on the much show. for having
1: me. This is one of the most fun interviews I've ever had. Yay, I'm glad.
0: Tell your friends. Tell everybody. I'm so thrilled. I will. Thank you for being on. I can't wait till the shutdown is over. We'll have to grab some coffee, a drink, a bagel, a sushi, whatever. Um, oh, please. I'm so appreciative of you. I'm having sushi withdrawal, so uh, it's got to be. Me too. Stuff. Um...